All right, we are back with Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. That creaking that you hear is not Chuck's bones, but <laughs> a chair that he is sitting in. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in for another episode. This is episode number four, brought to you by Sylvia's Irish Inn, which is where we are recording this podcast. It is so comfortable here. Isn't it awesome? Yeah, it's, it's like home. It it's is. like the home I never had. <laughs> <laughs> but always wanted. <laughs> right. And and it's at Christmas time, this couldn't be any yeah. more beautiful. Absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Sylvia really knocks herself out. She does. She does. And we're going to knock ourselves out today as we talk about Bombshell and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Do you like how I do that? You want me to do sound effects too? <laughs> <laughs> No, I think, I think were, it's were, a you no. Doing the, were you doing those during the movie? I, I, hear, I, I, I might was, have been. I was, was so good. Well, I mean, it was just so you know. There's an overload, audio <laughs> overload. I didn't know if it was the movie, what was you, you know, or what. It's all good. It's all good. So let's go ahead since we're start talking about Star Wars. Let's let's knock it off with Star Wars. You you bring it home. Episode nine. <clears throat> I remember sure. when these. That's what it says. Okay. It's what it said. I remember when these films first came out. There was, you know, talk that George Lucas had fashioned three trilogies and that the first three films were the middle trilogy and, you know, it was all going to be this epic thing. And then he denied that that other last trilogy, trilogy existed and apparently it didn't exist because once Disney got the Star Wars rights, they brought in J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson to fashion these last three episodes for the final trilogy of the Skywalker saga. And boy, what a saga it has been. You can't really say another movie has spawned a religion as the Star Wars films have. So, I mean, this is quite a phenomenon. I, I like that choice of words, spawned a religion. That's well, quite interesting. What else would you say? I, I'm right there with you. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, and the Jedis, they're, they're great and all that stuff. But you know what? That also speaks to another thing as far as these movies are concerned. As good as they are, Boy, people take them seriously. You think? Really, really seriously. Oh, my goodness. Too seriously. Hey, gang, those of you who take these things really seriously, I want you to remember something. This was basically George Lucas's version of Flash Gordon. Okay? <laughs> Flash Gordon. Go back and look at some of the Flash Gordon serials with Buster Crab. Okay? And you'll see what he was really intended to do. He only made Star Wars because he couldn't get the rights to make Flash Gordon. So take it down a notch as far as, you know, the religious ferocity that you approach these things and just try to have some fun because that's really the only way you're going to enjoy the rise of Skywalker is just to sit back and have some fun. Don't go in there just looking to nitpick it to death. What's the point? I had fun with it. Here we see Ray, who is played by Daisy Ridley. Uh, she's uh, picks up on her Jedi training. <clears throat> it's going pretty well until she senses a disturbance in the Force, and that's Kylo Ren, uh, played by Adam Driver. He has somehow or another picked up on her psychically, is disrupting her training and disrupting her life by sending her messages, wanting her to join him in just, you know, having this alliance that will have them in the supreme power of the Empire. She, of course, is resisting this, but we hear that someone who we thought long dead, Lord Palpatine, is in fact alive. Yes, him being killed at the end of Return of the Jedi was, of course, false. He has been licking his wounds for 40 years on an Ew. unknown planet. Yeah, well, <laughs> when and, I think about his wounds and licking them, it really... He's kind of an old, crusty out. guy. Sorry. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. <laughs> 
He's been marshalling his forces, uh, and he's ready to unleash them to finally crush the rebellion. And this is now called the First Order. And our heroes, played by um, uh, John Boyega and uh, Oscar Isaacs and the droids and... Ray, they set out to try and find this guy before he can get things going. I mean, hey, you know, as usual with these movies, the story is really simple. And it's the same story every time. Oh, it absolutely You is. know, you got to go out and find the thing to get the place. And, uh, and to then there's the a, world. To, to, to the, save not, the universe. Sorry, the galaxy, sorry. Galaxy, yeah. Galaxy, universe, and whatever. also there's, there's always a climactic battle. And there's always a thing that they got to knock out. Or and they destroy have they have to, find in order to, to get the to thing, get the right, yeah. To destroy the thing. So you know, quit nitpicking <laughs> on the on the story. The story oh. is what the story is. But I will say this: there are some nice surprises along the way. There's a cameo I never expected to see that pops up. Oh my and goodness! Ends up Your reaction being, to that? Oh uh, yeah, priceless. <gasps> I mean, I a didn't gasp. see that coming, and I thought it was the highlight of the film. Quite frankly, it was probably one of the most honest moments in the movie. Uh, there's some great, we've, we finally find out where Ray comes from as far as her family. It makes sense. I liked that. And really, I think the one thing I like most about the film, other than the special effects, which are incredible, is the fact that J.J. Abrams is going out of his way to tie all this stuff into the original three movies. Some people have objected to that as the though he's a little de- bit desperate to do this. I liked that. I liked that the final scene of this film is an echo of that very first film in 1977 that made me feel excited, made me, reminded me what it was like to be 12 years old. Uh, yeah, he's going to take some knocks for, uh, you know, well, this wasn't all that original. Well, you know what? Star Wars was never all that original. <laughs> it never was. Oh, my okay? goodness. Uh, Lucas basically, by his own admission, ripped off, oh, sorry, borrowed uh, <laughs> many of the elements of Star Wars from other sources. Hey, check out uh, Kira Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress. You might find some similarities. Very true, very true. So just calm down, have some fun with this. I enjoyed it for what it was. See, and and I wanted more of a story. And I think within that story and the original trilogy, which I so thoroughly enjoyed, and this is a sentimental film to me. But how old were you? I was 13, 14 years old. First, First release movie I had ever seen in my entire life. This is where I grew up in upstate New York. We didn't have a lot of movie theaters. So this was an exciting event for me. My my brother and sister-in-law-to-be took me to the theater in tow. I'm sure they were really thrilled about doing that. And so this was a really special movie to me. And the special effects at that point, at that time, yeah. were pretty incredible. So when you hear, as you say, that echoes back to that time period, when you hear that that they do in the in the jumping of the through the the light force or the light years or whatever it is light speed skipping get it right lady all right so light speed skipping it'll be in my new vocabulary It, it just beckons back to that time period where it was magical and what was really magical about those films is the chemistry among the characters the humor the humanity and the caring that we had for these these creatures and these people as well um, and that is where this one lacked 100%. It, it did not have the charm of Han Solo, um, even though Oscar Isaac's character tried to replicate that. Horribly it just, miscast. It just wasn't there. Yeah. So you agree with that? I agree with that because then if you remember, as I said, the moment that I felt was most human is a direct echo right. to the first film. Right. So you're right. Yeah, these new characters just haven't done it for no, me. No, no, there's no connection there whatsoever, and they are the majority of the film, which is why it is lost on me. John Boyega, who plays Finn, 
all he did, he had one note to play throughout the entire film, and that was to pine for Ray. That's all he did for the entire film. I think he also was allowed to be worried. Oh, okay. He was, he was worried, worried and a few times. I think, yeah. So that that is where this film failed for me, and I did not like the end. I did not like the end. And as you know about me, Chuck, if I don't like the ending, that totally blows the entire film for me. However. And that's not unjustified. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. However, the production value, as you had said before, and the special effects, not 100%, but the special effects for the most part were really amazing. Yeah. And, and yeah. we had talked about the water scene. Oh, Jesus. And that yeah. was mind-blowing. Yeah. That, that was incredible. That's what earned the star in Star Wars for me. Yeah. Um, but there were there were a few scenes where they were fighting and I felt like they were little kids on a playground going jing, 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 jing with their little fingers pointed. And I felt like that was all CGI. Of course it is. I know, but I mean, <laughs> you shouldn't feel that you're watching CGI. You should feel that they're really ducking and, and avoiding being hit. And I'm really wondering, why don't the stormtroopers like upgrade their outfits a little bit and get something that actually... So they can actually, camouflage? Uh, no, maybe. Well, that would be a good idea. But maybe even to repel the the ammo that's coming at them nonstop. And man, they are really bad shots. Really bad shots. You know what? And, and I have a solution to that. And I'm surprised no one has ever mentioned why they're such bad shots. Because they can't see through their helmets? There's that. But also, <laughs> you have to remember from Attack of the Clones, episode two, we find out that all the, clo- all the st- stormtroopers are cloned. From one source. Uh, somebody with bad vision was cloned. No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> but, but the more you clone something, the less effective your mm. clones are going to be. So if this is the second or third or fourth generation of clones being stormtroopers, of course they can't shoot anything. So how does that explain um, Finn? Ah, they also had to eventually recruit because, oh. you know, once you wipe out a Death Star or two... Really hits your ranks. Okay. Really bad. Really bad. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate that. So overall, would you say that this is a great culmination of Star Wars and recommend it? Tell me. Yeah, I think it is. I think it ends as well as it could. Uh, I think that J.J. Abrams was in an unenviable position of having to serve many masters as far as the fans are concerned, and there was no way he was going to please them all. No, true. You can't please everybody. No. This is so very true. Yeah, especially with this franchise. So I think he just told the story he wanted to do. He did his best to appease everyone. So that makes it a good film, but it prevents it from becoming a great film. And I think it is a lackluster film that um, I was. I felt like I was watching a Disney movie. And I know I'm watching a Disney movie. I know. <laughs> but I didn't want to feel Disneyfied, And I felt Disneyfied. <laughs> well, and that's part of the problem. You know, I, I'm not excited about these movies anymore. I mean, like you were talking about when these first came out, you had to wait three years. It was an event. Right. The, the, right. The, the, Do you the, remember waiting the, in line? The, oh, yeah, and the anticipation yeah. built, and there would be an article in these things called magazines. And, oh, my God, Ooh, look at that picture. And newspaper. I know. And, the, look at, oh, there's a picture of a new creature. Oh, my God. And so you, they built it up over time, and it was an event. And now having one every year, Disney has ruined that. Yeah. They are no longer unique. They are no longer events. It's just, oh, the next one and I think for me that's where most of the magic is left yeah you know what maybe that was what I was feeling because I wasn't excited to go see this and I should have been excited to see it especially given my my connection to them from the 1970s and I know most of you probably think that was before I was born so we'll let you think that (laughs) sure no comment okay (laughs) 
Uh, I'm gonna take a quick break here again. Thank you to Sylvia's Irish Inn for sponsoring our show. And that will lead us on to... Bombshell. Bombshell. Movie that I know you um, you really enjoyed. And I know it really affected you. I did. I, it's not without flaw, though. Um, this is a, a movie that um, Jay Roach has brought to the screen. It was a screenplay written by Charles Randolph. And we were able to interview Jay Roach, and who shared, enlightened us, um, a little bit about the making of the film and the difficulties that... Um, they went through in order to get this on to the screen. Let's listen to a clip from Jay um, talking with both Chuck and me. I was wondering if you could talk about producing this film and the difficulties a film of this sort with this type of budget has nowadays as far as getting on screen. It's tricky um, making dramas these days. Um, it's, it's, it's tough to you know, um, get the studios to take them on. There's, there's so many other things they can make that make them more money. But uh, I'm incredibly grateful to, to Braun uh, and Lionsgate. Braun financed the film after it had fallen out, our financing had fallen out uh, right before we started shooting. And um, Aaron Gilbert at Braun uh, just saw it as something really important. It's almost like he he acknowledged that it was a much greater risk than usual, but he just said, I'll cash flow it and maybe we'll find another studio, hopefully we'll find it. Within 72 hours, Lionsgate jumped in too. Both of them took a, a huge chance. I credit my co-producer, Charlize Theron, for helping pull it back together. We had such a great script, an incredible cast, all in place to shoot, and two weeks before we started shooting, it all fell apart. And she just said to her reps and to anyone she could get a hold of, we can't let this stop. This has got way too much good going for it. And I joined in and we pitched it to a bunch of other places. Really a smart guy. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation we had with him. Um, the insights that he brought uh, to the making of it, I mean, it made me appreciate it even more. Right. And uh, for those of you who don't know what Bombshell is about, it's about the women at Fox News under the auspices of Roger Ailes' direction and the traumas that were inflicted upon these women. Charlize Theron plays the main character, Megan Kelly, and she truly becomes Megan Kelly. And this is her story. We see the story unfold through her eyes. In fact, we have a little bit of the big short feel as she narrates and talks with us, the viewer, directly, breaking that fourth wall and tells us a little backstory about Fox News. Um, we also have Gretchen Carlson, played by Nicole Kidman. And in actuality, she is our hero. She is the one who had the chutzpah to sue Roger Ailes and pave the path for women to follow her. It was a really courageous thing that she did. And this film is all about the courage of these women and what they did in order to take down Roger Ailes and the toxic male entities that ruled this, this era and, and this type of environment. Um, and you have to keep in mind, too, that, and I think we looked this up when we were going to interview Jay, is the fact that this took place before the Harvey Weinstein harassment cases and um, before the Me Too movement. So Gretchen Carlson truly is a hero in this. You know, and that was one of the objections I had to the film. I wanted to know more about her. Yeah. She really is getting short shrift here because, but and there's as a you reason said, too. yeah, because as you say, it's really Megyn Kelly's story. Uh, and it's a thorny type of narrative. 
now that we know about Megyn Kelly and the shortcomings that she displayed when she uh, went to NBC for her own show, it's hard to look at her in a heroic way, right. especially within the context of this film, even if we don't know that. Within the context of this film, you know, it is said that she could have stepped forward long before this. Uh, she she suffered, you know, uh, harassment as well. And uh, how many other women had to suffer it after her Right. when that could have been stopped by her coming forward? Fine. I understand she was probably scared, didn't want to do this. But Absolutely. the fact that she hesitates still after Gretchen Carlson comes forward, that's where it becomes a really shady area as to how to look at her. Yeah, and, and I think that is that is my flaw with this movie is we know too much about Megyn Kelly post this occurring. And in my mind, she isn't a hero. And actually this film, you know, they own up to the fact that she could have stepped forward and she didn't. Um, there are two really powerful scenes in this movie, though, that I think and I hope people will take away from it and understand and maybe even try and walk in women's shoes to really understand what some women go through in the workplace. Um, one is with um, a newscaster who thinks she is getting a promotion at Fox News and meets her boss at a bar to discuss her promotion, when in actuality he just wants to sleep with her. And we get inside of her mind. This is based on a true story, and um, the woman actually shared all of her insights and thoughts um, as to what she was thinking and dancing around, trying to turn this this boss down without losing her job. It didn't work. Let's listen to a clip um, as Jay Roach explains to us that bar scene. There's a scene with Abby Huntsman, I think is the woman's name, in the yep. restaurant where she is thinking that she's being promoted for her great work, yep. when in actuality there are ulterior motives of sure. her male boss who's yep. offering this. We get inside of her mind, her thoughts, mm -hmm. and I can't think of many people, many women who haven't had this type of a situation. Tell me yep. about... Um, bringing that aspect. I don't know if you call that breaking the fourth wall yeah. or what you might call it. So that's Rudy Bakhtiar, is that, is that woman. Um, and she went through this incredible experience. She was a rising star. She was at CNN. Then she goes to Fox. She gets a three-year contract. She's seen as the future Christiane Amanpour. She's sent into, she's Persian herself. She goes into um, battle zones and does great reporting. Six months into her tenure at Fox, a guy hits on her in a bar and she doesn't even complain, her agent complains on her behalf, and she's fired. And it's the end of her career, and she sees it coming. And she, we, she has now come out and said in public that she spoke to us, and we did get to talk to her. And she wow. told us what she was thinking as she realized, even as this guy was hitting on her, and she was tap dancing around to try to keep his ego from exploding, you know, because she was rejecting him. She rejected him, and he contributed to her downfall. I mean, she got fired. She never works in broadcasting. I mean, it was such an excruciating story. And we did think that somehow um, letting us in on her thoughts as it's as it going would help especially men figure out what this might feel like in mm -hmm. the middle of this kind. Because we just don't know. You know, we can hear the stories, and some of us are trying really hard to be sensitive about it, and I, I put myself in that category, but I didn't know. I wouldn't have been able to figure that out. And, and Charles's connection to her, her, we used a lot of her actual dialogue from an article she had 
contributed to um, it just made it feel authentic from from early on in the film that that uh, okay we're gonna really honor what these women go through thank you I appreciated that scene thank you very much um, the other scene is with, and we, we failed to mention until now, John Lithgow's performance as Roger Ailes, um, and he has an incredible performance, um, not only because he looks like Roger Ailes, and that's thanks to the makeup, again, with Megyn Kelly and, and Charlize Theron becoming Megyn Kelly. The makeup is incredible, but the performances are as well. Um, and when John Lithgow's character of Roger Ailes is telling Kayla, played by Margot Robbie, wants to take a little twirl around in front of me behind his closed doors, and she has to hike her dress up higher and higher and higher. Um, this is a demeaning, demoralizing scene that really hit me emotionally and allowed me to walk in her shoes for a moment to see how dehumanizing the experiences could possibly be. Yeah, th those are definitely the highlights, as well as a scene uh, with the Roby character Kayla out on a date one night. Uh, and she takes a phone call, and uh, it's from the Kate McKinnon character, a lesbian who happens to be a Democrat who's working at Fox News, <laughs> so she really has to keep her head down, but discusses with her, uh, Kayla, that Kayla decides she's going to speak out as well, and the devastation that Roby uh, displays there really drives this home as well. Uh, I like this movie. It didn't have the same effect on me as it did on you. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a man. Uh, maybe because I don't have a daughter. I'm not quite sure. I was entertained by it. I was engrossed by it. Uh, the performances, as you say, are incredible. Uh, Theron, uh, there are times when you think you're actually looking at Megyn Kelly. Right. It's, it's, it's eerie, the transformation. Uh, so I like the film. It just didn't have the impact on me that I was hoping it would. So this is one that I think um, you'll enjoy seeing. I think it's a, a riveting uh, script. I think the performances are incredible. I'm guessing that there might be some Academy Award nominations from this film, possibly with makeup and maybe even performances. Um, I believe that Charlize Theron has been nominated for Best Actress from the Critics' Choice Awards. I believe so, as well as Margot Robbie uh, in the Best Supporting Actress. Uh, and I believe they also were nominated for Golden Globes in those categories as well. And so we might expect uh, a little bit more for the Academy as well. Definitely. That brings us to the next portion of our show, and we're going to talk about... Okay, streaming is really difficult to get a grasp on. And if I'm saying that and we are inundated with movies, how, do, how does everybody else feel? I'm sure it's really difficult to sort through everything and find some decent films to watch via streaming services. So we thought we would break it down for you and give you a few things on Amazon, Netflix, and Hulu, some of the major players that are out there right now that people have subscriptions to. Obviously, the big dog in this fight is Netflix with 160 million subscribers. Uh, they obviously are the leading streaming service amidst all of them. And at Netflix credit, uh, they don't just sit on the money that you contribute to them every month. They go out, they finance films, they buy films, and their catalog and their library is extensive. Uh, new films that are streaming on Netflix now include The Two Popes, which I think we'll be reviewing in an upcoming episode with uh, Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price. The Irishman, which uh, is on both of our top ten lists this year, uh, with Joe Pesci, uh, Al Pacino, and Robert De Niro, of course. The Body Remembers When the World Broke Open, 
two unlikely characters who meet. Uh, one woman is pregnant and is being abused by her significant other, and she is in dire straits. And a woman on the street who is in a much better circumstance befriends her. Um, the two have an interesting connection and conversation, and, and um, things devolve and evolve in ways that you do not expect. A right. uh, great animated film that's out there now, Claws, a uh, new take on the Santa Claus legend. This is one that you and your kids could, should sit down and watch. It could very bit well be one of those that you go back and watch every year at Christmas. It's a old, traditional, hand-drawn uh, new animated film, but in using that old technique, it is simply gorgeous. The attention to detail that's there, it is really neat. <laughs> it's, it's a fun movie. Um, Sixth Underground. Have you taken a look at that one yet? Have not. Action film with Ryan Reynolds. This will be the first of two action films that he has coming out on Netflix this year. I took a look <clears> at it. <throat> it is all action. That's what I yep. felt from the preview I saw. <laughs> so I guess if you're looking for action, this is it. Well, of course it's all action. It's Michael Bay. Oh, oh I didn't realize that. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. That explains everything. Going on to Hulu, the other streaming service. Uh, we've got a couple of interesting movies. One, Diane with Mary Kay Play about a woman who lives a quiet life uh, in Pennsylvania. She's trying to make up for some past sins. She has a drug-addicted son to deal with. This was on my top ten list. Uh, seek this one out on Hulu. I really liked it. And a couple of other ones that I would highly recommend. The Missing Link. And oh! That's a fun animated I love that movie. movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, great movie to watch with your kids. Um, the Tomorrow Man with John Lithgow and a totally different performance in this one. Um, with Blythe Danner, John Lithgow plays a man who is a prepper and is also trying to date. Um, the two of them go out together, and their relationship is a very unique one. Booksmart is also there. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I saw that again recently, the, the directorial debut from Olivia Wilde uh, about two high school girls who've been really, really good their first four, the four years of high school, realize it's been all for naught, and try to catch up on just being bad for one night. There was a scene there where I laughed and laughed and laughed. It had the funniest moment of any movie I saw this year, and it's really much better than you might think from the description of it. Uh, the Nightingale. Um, this is an incredibly tense movie um, that tackles a lot of horrific situations, um, including colonization, genocide, and rape. Um, not for everybody. Um, great performances by a new young star, um, but watch that with, with caution. And then on Amazon and iTunes, there's a couple things worth your time. One of them is The Report which I think broke onto your top 10 list. Uh, Adam Driver, a uh, fact-based story about the guy who, at the behest of Senator Dianne Feinstein, delved into the torture techniques being used by the military uh, during the Iraq War and all that he found about what was being done and the results of that. A 7,000-page report that is put on the shelf and no one wants to hear about it. It's about his battle to get this thing heard. Fascinating, infuriating film. Right. And we've also got One Child Nation, which is a documentary about China and their um, law stating that you could only have one child. Um, something that I had not written down was The Aeronauts. That also Oh, yes, yes, up. yes. Yeah, the great fact-based adventure film with Eddie Redmayne and uh, Felicity Jones, Felicity Jones uh, reunited from the theory of everything. Uh, yeah, about uh, 
what would we call them? Weather people? Uh, or? She's, she is a balloonist. She's a balloonist. And he and he's is a, a first meteorologist yes. ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, they're going up into the sky in this balloon to see how clouds work, how rain works, and how the weather works. Right. And it's... Uh, Visually, it's really a lot of fun. It is. It's, I would highly recommend taking a look at that one. That's streaming, I believe, that comes out on the 20th. Yes, that's Just, true. Yep. So there's a ton of options out there. Uh, I know many of you have a little bit of extra time around the holidays. Uh, so there are more than a few things to check out, either to go out to the theater or from the comfort of your own home. Good. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Real Talk with Chuck and Pam.